Hey church, how are you going? You good? It's good to be here this morning. That was so beautiful. I, I managed to hold it together through worship today, but those testimonies just got me good. Thank you for sharing. I just love hearing what God is doing in people's lives and when we can stand together and declare his goodness. We can declare it to the world around us. We can bring a message um, of hope that is alive and active today. It's so good. So I don't know about you, but my household is getting really excited about Christmas. I've been a little bit snowed under with different things and all the things to do, but I tell you what, my kids, they are right into it. Um, my older two have been organising so many KKs, I can't keep count. They have this way of just gathering people together and I sort of feel sorry for the other parents who have to then get the gifts. Um, but what they did is they invited a group of people um, in their class to do a KK. What they did, they came home and they wanted to make a little graphic printout with all the instructions, the, the money limit, the date that they had to bring their KK, don't put your name on it, we want it to be a big surprise. And I thought, oh, this is like a big deal, but you know what, for them, it was something really special. And I actually had um, some parents come up to me at school and they said, oh, thanks for organising this. And I said, oh, well, I did not do anything at all. In fact, I thought it was a little bit of an inconvenience, to be honest. But she said, no, thank you, because they included my daughter and she felt so special to be a part of it and to get a gift. And for my girls, it wasn't just about getting presents, although that does make them very excited, but they wanted to do something to celebrate Christmas, to draw people together and to bring community in their school. They are so excited about this idea of exchanging gifts um, and they took the time to share the joy and celebration around Christmas. You know, and all of you here today know that we celebrate Christmas as the birth of Jesus Christ. You might be so familiar with this and have done it year in, year out, maybe since you're a baby or maybe just in the last five or ten years or so. But at Christmas, we have the opportunity to go deeper in our understanding of why the Son of God chose to come into this world as a human. My youngest daughter, she's seven years old, and she has this way of just hitting the nail on the head when it comes to spiritual matters. You know, kids have this way of seeing the world that we've often lost, I think. Um, we are hustling, we're striving to get everything done. But um, last week, we sat down for dinner um, and we'd, we'd barely just started eating. And she said to us, okay, guys, okay, I've got a question for you all. I'm not joking, this is actually how she talks. <laughs> She's like, okay, um, all right, guys, so a lot of people don't know that the meaning of Christmas is actually about Jesus. We need to think of some ways that we can tell people what the real meaning of Christmas is. So what do you think? <laughs> and Steve and I just looked at each other like our mouths on the floor in complete shock um, and awe at what she had just posed to us. She understood that in the excitement of this season, there's something more for us to know. She had this childlike faith. Her invitation to us was so delightful. And this morning, I want to invite you to open up your hearts to learn something deeper about the Christmas message. Don't just write it off and think, oh, we're just talking about Christmas because that's a season and that's what we do. But let's enter in this morning. 
You might be thinking about all the presents you have to buy, the family that you have to see, maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not sure. Um, you might be looking forward to the incredible Christmas spread on Christmas Day that leaves you just completely, you know, like you can't move on the couch afterwards. Or as Geordie said, you might be really into the carols. My family, we love Christmas carols. We love singing and watching them on Christmas Eve. But today I want to ask, what does the baby mean to you? What does meditating on the truth of Jesus coming, what does that stir up inside you? Does it stir something up inside of you? I'm just going to pray before we jump into the text this morning. Heavenly Father, we just welcome um, your truth in our hearts this morning. We want to learn more about you. We want to um, be able to delight in you even more as we just um, increase our knowledge of who you are. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you that you have made yourself known to us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at this strange figure this morning from the Old Testament. And you might be thinking, what on earth does this have to do with Christmas? But we'll figure it out as we go along. All right, so if you'd like to open up to Genesis chapter 14. That's it, we're going right back to almost the beginning. So a bit of context. Um, we were reading a story about Abram. He hasn't yet been called Abraham, but Abram has just been to war against four kings. Now, he's only mustered up, I think it's about 300 men to go and fight in this war. Um, and against all odds, as is often the case with God, um, they win. God's people win because God is with them. He's the one who leads them. And as he comes home from winning this war, he meets two kings. So they just sort of come out to say hello. One is the king of Sodom and the other one is a man named Melchizedek. So there we go. <laughs> okay, so the king of Sodom, there's two kings. So the king of Sodom comes out and he asks Abraham for stuff. He comes to take things from him. But Melchizedek comes out to give. So let's read in verse 17. After his return from the defeat of Cadolamea, or have you say that? And the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, Abram, by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So it's the first time that we get the, this official mention of a priest in the Bible. What does he do? He blesses Abram. He brings out this feast, bread and wine. And he, it says that he was priest of God most high. So I don't know if these things are starting to ring some bells in your head. Does that remind you of anyone? We meet a figure who gives us this understanding or introduces these two roles that Jesus plays. It's the role of king and priest. And this role of king and priest together is rarely found among Israelite kings. Melchizedek, it says, is king and he is priest of God most high. And the way that we understand this as we look at the, the story of scripture is that he is a pointer of something to come. He is a foreshadow or a type. So a bit about this priest that we know. So it says Melchizedek was king of Salem. So this is actually shortened named for Jerusalem. So he's king of Jerusalem. He's a priest. Now, we're going to go in a bit more into what priests do, but he 
is able to mediate and bring restoration between God and his people. And he's pointing, of course, to someone who's going to fulfil both these roles. Jesus Christ, we know today, is our priest, the one who brings blessing and forgiveness to us. And Hebrews um, explains this for us in Hebrews verse 6. It says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a priest forever after the order or the type of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth of everything. He is by first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. So we're going to talk about these roles. We're going to talk about Jesus as priest and king. And this week we're going to focus on priest. And next week, Pastor Charles is going to um, bring a word about Jesus as king, the king of peace. So if you've read scripture in its entirety or heard the whole story of the Bible, you know that we read about um, all of these markers that are pointing to something greater, something better, Hebrew tells us. We read stories of Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses and David, and these people, are um, they seem like they're often getting things right, but time and time again, they fail and they always fall short. They can't fulfil the perfect priestly role that is required. And you might have heard about the whole sacrificial system that we read about being set up in Leviticus. Um, and this in itself, it was a way for man to come close to God. But it was also um, in, imperfect. It was a mark. It was pointing to the need for something greater, something that was going to last um, and stand the test of time, something permanent. Because in that system, the high priest was the only one, and you will have probably heard this before, but he was the only one who could enter the most holy space. So the space was separated from the other spaces by a thick curtain. And on the curtain was embroidered the cherubim, which you might remember in the Garden of Eden, the two cherubim were stationed to keep man out. Um, as one of our kids' books says, because of their sin, they couldn't come in. And for us today, you might be hearing all this talk about priests and, um, you know, the most holy place and think, like, I, don't, I can't wrap my head around that. What, not what does that have to do with us today, but how can we relate to that? Um, because for the Jewish people, they grew up in a world where the idea of having to make sacrifices and the idea of a need for a priest was very tangible. They had markers. They had things like the smells of the temple the smells of animals, the smells of sacrifices, the sounds that went on. Um, these places were so familiar to them and interwoven in in and ingrained in their everyday. It was so familiar to them. They knew, and the book of Hebrews talks about this, of their need for a priest and one who would mediate between them and God. And for us, we might not have those markers, but I believe we can look at the world around us we can look at the markers of sin in our world. We can look at the brokenness. Um, you know, we heard a bit about that with Dr. Alan Meyer a few weeks ago, the broken relationships. We can look at the decaying environment around us, but most of all, I think we can look within at the inclination of our own hearts to sin. These things in our lives should be markers that we need a saviour every single day. We are always 
reliant on someone to save us. All of our good behaviour, all of our strivings will not equal a way to come before God most high, most holy. So what does a, a priest do in scripture? There's a few things they do. They worship, they give blessing to the people. And most, um, well, I would say most importantly, what we're going to focus on today is they represent humans before God. They bring intercession between God and man. So I love this quote says, they, the priests enter the holy place where we are not allowed to go. They take sacrifices for us so our sins will be forgiven. And that Old Testament system was meant to teach us about our sin and God's holiness. So they worship. They give glory to God. They give him honour in what they do. They bring sacrifices, not just for atonement, but they bring sacrifices to bring him the first fruits, to bring him the best of what they have. They give blessing. Um, it says Melchizedek blessed Abram with a feast. And, you know, the scripture in Numbers about um, the Lord bless you and keep you. This is God speaking to Moses to say to the people as priest, and the Lord will bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. And they intercede and represent man. They represent man to God and they represent God to man. They were sort of a bridge, a way of man and God being able to come together, to commune together. The priest would intercede for the people. We see this um, with Moses pleading with, with God to have mercy on the people. The priest represents the humans. They are like them. They represent humans in their hardships in their sufferings, for they are the same. So when we think about Melchizedek as being this type of something greater to come, there's a reason that when Jesus came along, the priests of the day were very angry. Because what Jesus did, he was presenting himself as the ultimate royal priest. It wasn't just that he was upsetting things and ruining their structures, but he was acting in a role that only a priest should act. He claims to be the promised royal priest that not only Melchizedek foreshadows, but the priest that all of scripture is pointing to, the one that was actually going to perfectly represent and restore humans back to God. And after Jesus' baptism, when the heavens open and the father looks down and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. After that that scene, we read about Jesus really starting to go out and act as priest. What does he do? He forgives people of their sins. He restores people who were unclean if they were unwell. That meant they couldn't go into the temple. So he restores them back to full health and then they can go in to worship God. He gives glory. He's constantly pointing back to the Father, giving all worship to him. He's representing humans before God, interceding with them. And again, bringing blessing. And what does he do? He's inviting the children of Israel to hear the message of God. So this is that representing God to man and man to God again. He's inviting them to come, to repent and believe. And he does this knowing the heart of the Father and he knows the hearts of man. Because he is fully man and fully divine, he's able to represent both completely and perfectly. And we know how the story unfolds that Jesus was eventually killed by the priests of the day. 
But when that happened, we know that the curtain was ripped into that curtain that separated um, us from coming before God and all of his holiness. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, um, the way had been made and access was now opened. Amen. But what, what was the difference about Jesus as priest compared to the high priest of the day? Hebrews tells us that Jesus not only was a priest when he lived and walked on the earth, but that Jesus is a priest forever. The author reminds us that priests, as they came up through the priesthood, would live and they would die. They had to um, offer sacrifices for their own sin that they had committed and for the sins of the people. But Jesus is a permanent, eternal priest he was able to, able to offer his very self because there was no sin found in him. Hebrews 7 says the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. And we can take courage in that today. His sacrifice was once and it was for all and it is still on offer for all who choose to put their trust in him. He offers an eternal superior priesthood. So for us today and this Christmas, what does that mean? How does that outplay into our lives today? Well, Jesus is our example of what it looks like to offer true worship and sacrifice. For he's the one who reconciles us to the Father. He's done what needs to be done. And I don't know how long that you've been in church, but make no mistake, no matter what we can bring, no matter what good deeds that we can do, no matter um, how much we take steps forward in growing and become a, becoming a better person, there is always going to be a price that has to be paid for our sins. We are not going to be able to make it on our own. Jesus is the only way by which we can be saved. In Hebrews 7.25, it says, He is able to save to the uttermost, that is completely, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And I want to just sort of land here. He is interceding for us, it says. And this verse really gets me because it's about right here and right now and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. He is always offering intercession. He is always up there interceding, advocating on behalf of you for all those who have put their trust in him. For the situations that we find ourselves in, for our battle with the sin in our lives, we are not alone. He is for you in every circumstance. If you are his, if you have put your trust in him, then he is working all things for your good and for his glory. I love the story in Luke 22. And we read that Jesus is praying for Peter. And it says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when, not if, when you have turned again, then you'll strengthen your brothers. So just like Jesus was already praying, he was already interceding for his people when he was here on earth, he is doing the same thing at the right hand of the Father right now. This Christmas, I want to invite you to take heart in this truth. Let it be fresh 
news again to your soul today. Take heart in it. Trust in him again. I don't know what you're finding yourself faced with today or this season, but you have the invitation to put your trust and your faith in him again, to open up your heart to him again. In Hebrews again, 4.14. You can write these down if you want to meditate on them again a bit later. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. We are comforted knowing that Jesus is the perfect priest. He ministers with infinite mercy and he sympathises with us in our weaknesses because he lived on this earth and was tempted every day just as we are. We can be assured that he is closer than we can imagine. He doesn't hear our cries as something that are outside of himself. When we come to God with our, our concerns, with the things that are burdening us, he doesn't respond to that out of something that he does not know, but it's actually part, it's become part of who he is in God's, in the person of Jesus. He's the one making intercession on behalf of, behalf of us hurting, behalf of us who are struggling in this present moment. He's not distant and far away, although we can't see him right here, but he's internalised our sufferings. They've become a part um, of his understanding. He knows what we're going through. Jesus is our royal, perfect priest. And every day we get the opportunity to come closer to him. We have the opportunity to enter in. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years or for five minutes. The invitation is there for you to come to bring your burdens, to bring your wrongdoings at the feet of Jesus and to give them to him and to receive his peace, to receive his forgiveness, to receive the confidence in knowing that we are his. As the song says that we sung this morning, that we are seated with him in the heavenly places. And I know it's sometimes hard to believe it and you might not be able to see it, and it might feel a little bit too far out of your reach, but can I just encourage you this morning, believe this word of God today. He is offering for you and I. It doesn't matter how far you feel that you've gone. It doesn't matter if you don't, it matters, but if you feel like you don't have enough strength, he is still offering his hand wide open to you today. Don't let a moment go by. It doesn't have to be in a church service. It can be in your, in your home, in your car, wherever you are. Don't let a moment go by where, where you, you, you miss out on realising what he's offering to you. Let's take a hold of it and believe it. We get to represent God and humans to one another. We get to carry on his work. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks' time. We get to intercede and, and take action on behalf of those around us. But this Christmas, let's remember what the gift of Jesus is. He came to bring hope. He came to bring peace. 
but he came to be the perfect priest, to intercede between us and the Father. You know, when we think about different situations in our lives and things that might be coming in the future, we, we start to imagine what it might be like. So I'm going to pick on Jordan because he's right there. Um, but when Jordy and Talisha were um, thinking about Deacon's arrival, I'm sure they were full of anticipation. Now, they might have had nephews and nieces that they had cuddled before and watched the parents look after the child and, and seen the love they had. They might have read books about it. They might have watched movies where they could see, you know, the love of a parent for a child. And, and all of this was, was pointing them to something that was going to be there, something to come. But until the moment that Deacon was in their arms, they couldn't fully understand. But once he was there, it was realised to them. They didn't have to imagine what it was like anymore. They didn't have to go back and, and watch the movies to sort of have that hope and anticipation. But the very thing that they had been hoping for was made real to them and it was right in front of them, right in their arms. We don't have to wonder what the true and better priest looks like. We don't have to try and conjure up hope within ourselves. What's it, what's it going to be like? What's, what's he going to be like? What um, I can see, you know, this something stirring in the shadows we don't have to imagine it but because Christmas reminds us that he has come and his name is Jesus let me get Jared up Jesus is able to save he has saved us and you know what he's continuing to save all those who draw near to him he's continuing to make intercession for us I get the whole band up actually Church, if you could stand. Just want to read one final scripture over us this morning. If you'd like to close your eyes. Just want to invite you into a moment to respond just in your own space, in your own hearts this morning to be encouraged that not only has he made a way, but he is with us even now. He's making intercession for you even now. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, because of this church, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed. For he who promised is faithful. Lord God, we just thank you for your great love for us this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity every day. But at Christmas, we're reminded of the coming of Jesus Christ. 
we're reminded that because of your great love for us, you sent him to make a way for us. You sent him as the only one who could fulfill that role of the perfect high priest. We thank you that Jesus entered into our suffering and our humanity, that he understands what it's like to walk on this earth, to go through life, the burdens, the challenges we have. But we thank you that he did not sin. We thank you for, your, for his obedience to you. Lord God, we pray that you would lift up our hearts this morning. Help us to focus on your word, to believe the truth that your word gives us. That we would know, that we would know, that we would know that Christ has done everything that needs to be done. There is not a stone left unturned. There is nothing that he hasn't done that has been needed to be done. We give you praise, Jesus. And just as the band plays, I just want to invite you to respond to that in your hearts. Maybe you want to thank the Lord, present thanksgiving to Him this morning. Maybe you want to offload some things that have been weighing you down. Let's just take a couple of minutes to do that.